Hey there, thoughtful listener. What is your number one lead generation blocker? Head to upmyinfluence.com slash quiz to find out right now. That's upmyinfluence.com slash quiz, and I'll share why you aren't getting the intros and sales you deserve. We're also actively seeking guests for this daily commercial-free entrepreneur wisdom podcast. Agency owners, consultants, coaches, and B2B service providers, head to upmyinfluence.com slash guest, and I'd love to promote your expertise to our amazing audience. Let's get on with the show. With us right now, it's growth and performance coach, uh, Lindsay Roselle. Lindsay, uh, you are also the founder and CEO of Motherload. You're a podcaster as well, uh, and I'm so grateful to have you. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Give us an overview of your work. And, and, and again, to our friend that's listening to this podcast right now, you can just do a search Motherload, you'll find Motherload podcast and Lindsay, you're right there. Go ahead and hit subscribe. Yeah. And, uh, but it's so excited to learn more about your impact in the world. Yeah. So, you know, I, I come from a background of working in corporate. I graduated from college, went right into the corporate world and spent about nine years, uh, moving my way up through a very large multinational company, uh, made my way to like, I'd call it middle management, you know, <laughs> um, making six figures, traveling all over the world in international business development. Uh, and, and in my early thirties kind of had this moment of looking around at all my coworkers and the job and, and everything and, and thought, you know, I, I, this isn't, this isn't passion. Like I don't feel what I expect to feel about work. And, and I was just one of those people that wanted it to feel like exciting and, and the place I wanted to be, not just like a job that I did from nine to five. And so I started to have these inklings of uh, my entrepreneurial spirit had, had developed all the way through my twenties. Uh, and my first business was prior to quitting that corporate job, I opened a brick and mortar yoga studio with my stepmom. So I, I had kind of stepped into entrepreneurship with a brick and mortar business, which was very, a very unique way of going about entrepreneurship by today's, you know, definition. This was 2011. So, uh, started to, to learn a little bit more about being an entrepreneur and all the potential and all the, the obstacles too, and really felt like I needed to make the jump out of corporate into entrepreneurship. So I did that in early 2014. And ever since then, it has been a wild ride of <laughs> entrepreneurial ups and downs and really culminating in 20, mid 2019, I had my second son. Uh, I have two little boys. They're three and five now. Uh, I had my second son in mid, mid 2019. And I was also uh, just about to, to launch a new business. And so I was one of those, those people who, you know, I, I waited till my mid thirties to have kids. And I really felt like uh, I could just keep going at the pace I had been going at prior to having children. And that really caught up with me after my second son, you know, but I tried, I really hard tried to push through it in 2019, got it all like, okay, I'm ready to launch. We're going to go big with this new business. Uh, March, 2020, I had hired five people. We were about to launch and then the world shut down, you know? And so mm. through 2020, I had this reckoning, like this dark night of the soul where I lost the, the yoga studio because it was brick and mortar. We couldn't have yeah. people in it. I wow. lost that second business that I had launched um, because it was an in-person based mastermind company, like local for local business owners. It was uh, like Vistage, if you've heard of that. Um, 
where we were doing networking events and connection events with local masterminds in a bunch of markets all over the US. Well, couldn't have in-person events. So lost two businesses, uh, had two young kids and a partner. My, my spouse is also an entrepreneur and he was really struggling through that time too. So everything just really fell apart really badly in 2020. And I had this choice to go, you know, blame everyone else and kind of keep going on the path I was on or stop and look at myself and do some work, some major inner work and really answer the question of how did I get here? And I did that. And so for the last two years, I've really gone deep into this inquiry around how do ambitious women also be devoted mothers? And and why does it feel so hard? And why did I hit rock bottom trying to do both things well? Was I actually really doing my best at both and and what happened? And so now with Motherload and my work now is really focused on everything I've learned and, and all the things that I put in place to help myself out of that position and now turning it outward and going, how do I help other ambitious mothers that I work with not to hit rock bottom? And how do I help them ultimately love their lives, you know, love their work and their motherhood. And, uh, it's, as you can imagine, (laughs) it's, it's, it's hard, you know, and it's very dynamic and very fluid and, and our world continues to challenge, uh, mothers, especially around work and, and childcare and all the things. So, um, there's a lot there and that's now my, my main focus and I'm very passionate about it. Yeah. Lindsay, I'd love your take on like perceived expectations of what it takes in order to have it all right it, it or you know it's just like listen if you're going to be an entrepreneur it has to look like this you have to hustle you have to grind yeah you got the kids but so what suck it up because this is what it takes uh how do you address that uh you know yeah. thought that that's in the ether yeah. I mean, you you often see these memes go around that it's like women are expected to work like they don't have children and yeah. parents and mother like they don't work. And I think a lot of us, I, I re- that resonates with me. I do feel that to an extent where it's like, I, I it's not necessarily so much that I feel that externally. Like my, my partner doesn't expect that of me. Like, I, you know, I don't think my kids even are aware of that, but I expect that of myself. You know, it's like when I'm working, I want to be as good as possible. <laughs> you know, the, the, the excellence that I know I'm capable of, I want to show up in that excellence every every time I sit down to work. Sure. And when in my motherhood, I want to be the devoted, nurturing, warm mother. And I want to do that as consistently as possible with my children. And what what it does feel like is in those moments of of doing one or the other, very commonly there is a pull to the one I'm not I'm not present with, you know, where I'm trying to be and my excellence at work and something's on my mind about my kids or vice versa. And so you know, the, the, the first thing is, I think there's a lot of awareness that we need as women to look, or as mothers, especially to look at, okay, where's the expectation coming from? You know, is there someone in my life putting it on me? And is that a conversation or a boundary I need to have? Or is this some internal wiring that I need to look at? And that's where I start with everyone is like, let's do some, some excavation of the basement of your soul here to look at where does this messaging come from within you that, you, you have to do things, you know, that there's so much pressure on you to do both things separately, equally good at all times, um, equally well at all times. That's a big part of it for me. And then, you know, the, the solutioning is a whole other question, a whole other answer to that, but it's a lot of putting in place. Um, for me, it's around systems and, and structures and practices in your life that really help you 
come into accountability with yourself and time management with yourself so that when you sit down to work, you, you are able to give your best because you've set up your day as effectively as possible. And then when you close the door in the office or you drive home or whatever your work life, you know, transitions look like when you're sitting there with the kids, it's boundaries around the phone. It's some type of mental practice of, of deconditioning the overwired mind that keeps thinking about work, you know? So yeah. there's a lot of the tactical stuff we can talk about, but I think it really starts with awareness of, of where the root of that expectation is coming from in your life and looking yep. at if it's external or internal. You know, also um, on that as well, um, I, you know, my wife and I have kind of been a little bit more cognizant of deadlines, right? So if we say, oh, I have to get all the Christmas lights set up today. Well, do you? I mean, who said that, right? And then so it's like this idea of like, like, any deadline, it, it's like, I, I like the idea now of just questioning any deadline, like, okay, so does it? Have, sure, it would it be nice? Yeah. But in my case, I cannot tell you how often, like, we're just I'm, I'm working on and it could be work related, it could be personal related, family related, like I start doing something. And then I uncover like, all these other extra little things that maybe weren't anticipated or they're just taking way longer than I had hoped. And so then I become, you know, I, I was looking at your social media and I know you're talking about perfectionism. Yeah. Boy, do I suffer, over, you know, like I think a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of visionaries, we kind of suffer from this same things. But again, just getting back to my original point of this question, I'd love your take on this is this, you know, I think nearly every deadline, it, 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 most of them are not real hard deadlines. And the consequences of not hitting that deadline, probably not going to be an earth changer, but yet we treat ourselves, I'll speak for myself, I treat myself with such content and disappointment when I don't hit my own self-imposed deadline. And I suspect a lot of other people could probably identify with what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I, um, I've thought a lot about this because it's like, there's the ones that we self-impose that aren't, it's like, why did you make that an urgent deadline? Well, for, for some external reason, most likely. And then there's the really important internal deadlines of thing of pr keeping promises to ourselves that are daily deadlines of, I, you know, a promise I have to myself is I'm going to walk outside 30 minutes a day. Do you know how many times I've done that in the last week since it's been cold and windy? None, you know? And so I'm like, okay, that's something where that, that deadline ends at the end of every day. And if I haven't done it, I am not keeping a promise to myself and that starts to degrade the trust I have in myself. And so it is this question of like looking at the, again, at expectations and saying, okay, getting the Christmas lights up by November 15th, because that's, you know, the neighbors both did it. And that was the deadline that the, <laughs> you know, the, the installer guys gave us on when they, when they usually do it, you know, like some external imposed thing that's kind of meaningless versus really important internal expectations and deadlines where you, you commit to yourself that you're going to be doing something daily, or you give yourself a deadline of, I really want to have this new thing out in my business or this project at home completed or something with the kids done by this date. And because we don't have external accountability to it, it's very easy to overrun some of those deadlines. And I, to me, it has the same ultimate effect of like blowing off an external deadline. And because it's not that important and blowing off an internal deadline, because you don't hold yourself accountable, ultimately starts to degrade any deadline, yeah. you know, like any sense of time meaning something and, and a sense of urgency. That's uh, a positive sense of urgency that does, you know, keep you in momentum of creation of your life. Like 
I think that's a really important thing for a lot of us to consider in our lives is what is our relationship to deadlines and expectations and where, again, is that an external, is someone putting that on us and, and there's resistance to it because it's been imposed or mm. is that an internal deadline that we gave ourselves and now there's resistance to it because it's a, it's some, a promise we want to keep to ourselves that's really hard to keep. Yeah. Um, you're, uh, it's kind of, again, kind of going through some of the content you share would only because you, you, you did a whole episode on it. So I, I hope you wouldn't mind talking about yeah. this. Um, you had an experience at the beginning of this year, uh, where you went on the retreat, uh, to, was it Costa Rica or it was, uh, Peru, yeah. Peru? Yeah. For the ayahuasca experience. Um, you know, and and I would recommend someone just go ahead and listen to the whole episode. I, I've I've had friends have also um, been through that. You know, friends that were in the military, PTSD, went through that experience, and just kind of like the, you know, kind of what that journey was like, what the before the journey, and then of course after. W- would you mind maybe just sharing a little bit about that, or if that's yeah. okay? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I did a ninety minute episode on it, so if you want like the deep dive, go go listen to the episode, but. You know, in general, it I had a lot of hesitation to do plant medicine. I grew up, my dad is a criminal defense attorney. He's retired now, but that message, you know, from my teen years of like, you know, drugs will ruin your life is still so pervasive. I just sure. I spent I spent the day with him yesterday and uh he's he's starting to do some uh ther- therapeutic psychedelic work. And um, you know, so he was sharing his experience and uh, you know, and he's in his late sixties, and I'm like, Dad how much of a mind, you know, blowing experience is this for you? Because you spent your whole life, like in the criminal law system, he's like, it's a big deal. Like it really is a, a lot of rewiring. And so mm. I, you know, I felt going in very hesitant uh, about the plant medicine itself. Just, I had a lot of fear around what, not only what the experience was going to feel like, but what, um, like what it would do to my brain. <laughs> you know, I was like, I don't, yeah. and, and I'm, I'm not, thinking like, you're a mom, you're a yes. business leader. Yeah. Like I'm also thinking about, well, that's my role, at, you know, and yeah. is it, is it appropriate or responsible for a mom or a dad to yeah. use plant medicine? No, no, no. That's just, you know, again, it's just our ideas and our biases based yeah. on something we picked up somewhere. So, yeah. And, and ayahuasca, you know, I, so <laughs> the people who have had a lot of psychedelic experience kind of laugh at me because they're like, oh, the very first psychedelic you ever did was a three night journey in the depth of the Amazon with ayahuasca. Like Lindsay, that's like jumping off the high dive in the Olympics, you know? Um, so for, for, from an external standpoint, if you've never done any inner work and you've never done any plant medicine work, I would not start with what I started with just full transparency, but that was the journey I was on. So um, we get down there and, you know, our experience was, was curated by this mastermind I was in. So it's not an experience you can buy online or anything like that. It was with a tribe that one of the leaders has, excuse me, <clears throat> with, uh, he has a connection with. And so, uh, it's literally this two hour boat ride up the Amazon, up a tributary, you know, in back in the woods, <laughs> in this eco lodge that's out over the Amazon. And so, and then we made our own ayahuasca. So we went into the jungle just about a mile from where our, our lodge was, cut the vine, wow. cut the shakruna leaves, cooked it up in a big like cauldron ourselves. I mean, the, the, the shamans helped us, but like it was harvested the day that we drank it. So it was incredibly potent and imbued with this intensive intention from our group. Um, and even the leaders who said that, you know, some of them have done 50, 70 ayahuasca ceremonies said it was the strongest ayahuasca they've ever had. 
And so the journey that I went on the first night, you know, because I had no expectations other than, you know, uh, some fear (laughs) and, and some reticence about being so far away. And what if something happens? And I think there was a little seed in there planted around motherhood. And and I talk a lot more about it on the podcast I did on my episode about it, but what came up for me through all three nights really heavily the first night and the other two was this deep, um, conversation with like existential motherhood. It was my grandmother that I went and met and she was in hell and that's a whole story. But, um, the first night I had this big understanding of like, why does motherhood feel so dark? You know, why is it so hard? Why, why is there so much baggage around motherhood for me personally? And just Mm -hmm. in my belief about what motherhood means for someone once, once they become a mother. And that was just this, this very, um, enlightening, (laughs) evening for me to come out of and look at how my life had, has gone down since becoming a mother. And then, you know, the next two nights really building on that into this deep compassion for my own mother, which was really healing for me, both as an individual, but also, um, in, in my work with mothers and, um, in my beliefs about, you know, how I was mothered. Um, so I think one of the beauties of plant medicine is the deeper you go into your own subconscious mind, the more you realize how much is there, you know, how much of how we operate is subconscious by the time we're adults. And that when you look at the people who have hurt you in your life or people who you don't think get you, or you don't understand why they are the way they are. um, The ultimate thing I think a psychedelic experience gives you is so much more compassion, not only for yourself, for what, you, you know, subconscious patterns that were played out on you, but also looking at other people and going, oh my God, now that I have this insight about myself, I can only imagine what's going on in her mind. And that gives me so much compassion for her. And, and so for me, coming out of ayahuasca, this opened the door to working with motherload, uh, really focusing on motherhood and having more of these conversations that I, I haven't seen people have about motherhood where it's like, let's, let's talk more about the mental load. Like, let's really dig into why we believe it's so hard and why messaging around motherhood is, is so much of like exhaustion and giving, 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 and not getting, and not being capable of doing both, uh, both things while working and mothering. And, and where does all this stuff come from both in me and then in, in like motherhood in general. So to me, it was uh, a very intense physical experience. I mean, just being that far away, uh, that heavy of a psychedelic is, is a very, I mean, it's a, it's an emetic. It makes you throw up, makes you, everything comes out all the ends. Like it's a very intense physical experience. Yeah. Um, but, but the, the takeaways are, were like literally life-changing. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for indulging me on that. Uh, yeah. on the list of considerations for the future, uh, maybe we could talk about it later. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Lindsay, the work you do today, so you're, who do you work with today? And, and again, I want to share your websites, lindsayrosell.com. If you click on, uh, the show notes, if you click on the little I symbol in your podcast player, just click around, you're going to find where we've got some show notes for this episode. We have a direct link, Lindsay, to your website. Um, but but who should be going there? Who should be engaging with you? And and how do you work with them? Yeah. So primarily I work with I, I the blanket of an ambitious mother. So my, my, pa- my past is primarily in entrepreneurship. So I've done a lot of business consulting, a lot of business coaching. So if you are an entrepreneurial ambitious mother, 
uh, you'll probably resonate a lot with what I, what my personal experience is and how a lot of my stuff is structured. But one of my main inspirations for everything I'm building with Motherload is my best friend who is a cardiothoracic surgeon with three kids under the age of five, mm. who is the top 1% of the 1%. She was chief resident. She went to, a, you know, a top med school and just got hired at a practice here in Colorado where we live. And it's five other male doctors and her, and she's got to uproot her whole family and move here. And we were talking about how she's like, I don't want to deal with any of this. Like, I don't want to have to figure out all these things in my life, uh, you know, new schools for my kids, a nanny, uh, someone to clean our house. Oh my God, I have to buy a house. Like just all the things that you can imagine someone who has to relocate her family, who is also this incredibly ambitious, high-performing woman, extremely capable. I mean, she, she's a heart surgeon, right? So it's like, okay, how can I help you? You know, like, I know you don't want to build a business, but what do you need help with? And what she needs help with is the same thing that I find a lot of business owners, entrepreneurial, ambitious women need help with, which is I've got the strategy. Like I got the work thing. I'm good there. I know I'm so good at what I do. The hard part is how do I manage all the rest of the mental load? And how do I get all these other things systematized and organized in a way that allows me the, the, the space to go use my capacity in my work or use my capacity to be really present with my children and not try to be fitting in all these million little things I need to do to keep everything running in the moments between, you know, doing something with the kids or doing something in the, in the, in the job. And so, uh, anybody on that spectrum of professional ambitious woman, yeah. you know, C-level uh, corporate, someone who's in corporate leadership or someone who owns a business, uh, or works in an entrepreneurial setting, anybody who's really looking at how do I pursue my ambition and, and really fulfill my desire to succeed and be a devoted mother and in a combination that makes me love my life. And so everything we we're building in motherload is really meant to address the life design aspect of that. So it's accountability, it's uh, community around building out a life that, that you love in both realms. And it really looks at let's do a mental load audit regularly across these seven buckets that we have in mother load and look at what's on your mind. Let's get it out. Let's get it organized. Let's get boundaries in place. Let's get stuff delegated. Let's hire people if that's what we need to do. Uh, and there's just a lot of like systems and, and help around how to do all of that. And, and we provide templates and all these things and a lot of uh, speakers and just it, information and ideas for how you can do it. And then also the accountability to get it done in your life. And we also, you know, there'll be like a done with you and then also a done for you level eventually where you could actually hire my team and we would come in and like home edit your mental load, which I love that idea. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not really a business coaching company. It's not really a professional growth company. It is a life design company for ambitious women who want to love their lives and and not feel so disintegrated across all of mm. these buckets. So, yeah. All right. Lindsay Roselle, your website, lindsayroselle.com, your podcast, the Motherload podcast. Uh, just realized while we were chatting that we have mutual friends. Oh. <laughs> and uh, Exciting. yeah. Uh, so give my regards to RT and. Oh. He's my partner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A very dear friend, I should say, of yours. Yeah. <laughs> That's yes. great. Awesome. Lindsay Rizal, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. If you're a listener, I'd love to shout out your business to our whole audience for free. You can do that by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or join our listener Facebook group. Just search for The Thoughtful Entrepreneur in Facebook. I'd love even if you just stopped by to say hi. I'd love to meet you. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. We love our community who listens and shares our program every day. Together, we are empowering one another as thoughtful entrepreneurs. Hit subscribe so that tomorrow morning, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. I promise to bring positivity and inspiration to you for around 15 minutes each day. Thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.